0: Except for. Thank you. Appreciate it. How's everybody doing this morning? It's great to see you all today. I just want to adjust one thing that I mentioned last week at the beginning of the service. I said the words, if you are sick, stay at home. I'm going to adjust that. I'm going to say, if you're infectious, stay at home but not everything is infectious. If you're, you know, we believe the scripture says if you lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Not everything that we face in life, sickness and disease is infectious. Um, and, I, and I would say pre-COVID, that was a good idea. You know, don't share your germs with people. Share, other, share your love. Can I get an Amen. And uh, and then, two, if you're having to stay home because you're facing sickness and disease, please uh, shoot us a DM or an email. We would love to agree with you in prayer because we believe that Jesus is still in the healing business. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. Well, we are in week five of a series that we have called Effective. In this series, we're just looking at these three sort of synonymous words and ideas, uh, fruitfulness, effectiveness, and being productive, that God as followers of Jesus that he actually wants us to be producing from our relationship with him. He has some expectations for us, as we talked about last week, uh, that he has put things in us and he doesn't just want us to waste our time. He doesn't just want us to spend our time, but he actually wants us to invest our time, invest our lives. In kingdom ways, kingdom principles, the things that he has given to us to walk in, Uh, in 2022, God is still the same. He still has good things for us to walk in, and that's what we're discussing in this series, that we don't want to be useless For God, we actually want to be useful for the kingdom of God. And so far in this series, week one, we talked about uh, a tree that we would be a good tree, the metaphor that we discussed, and we talked about five different thoughts around fruitfulness. And then week two, Michael Leto gave us a great message just about receiving help from God. Uh, Week three, we talked about good growth, that all of us in the kingdom of God as followers of Jesus, as disciples, We are all expected to grow, not stay the same. And then uh, we all know that for us to grow, that means we have to change. We can't stay the same. Life is not gonna be the same every year, every season of life, that God is wanting us to grow in and through all of these seasons that we can be more effective. And then last week we talked about great expectations, that God has expectations for the things that he has put in you through creation and then also through salvation, that God expects his ROI. And so if you missed any of those messages, they are available on our website. You can listen to our podcast or you can also watch on YouTube. So some of our foundational scriptures that we've been reading every week. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 20 says this. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, for some, <clears throat> some for honorable use, Some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So God wants us to cleanse ourselves, separate ourselves from sin, things that would affect us negatively. That's what it means to sin. Sin means to miss the mark. And when we miss the mark, we damage those around us and we damage ourselves. So God doesn't want us to sin, not because he hates us, because he loves us and he cares about us. But when we do that, we can be useful, ready for the good works that he has for us to do, that we are saved unto good works. Now, we're not saved by good works. We're not saved by doing good things. But when we do receive God's righteousness and his salvation from that place, we are supposed to be doing good things from that salvation place. Genesis chapter one, verse 26 says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply And fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So as we've been saying, Genesis 1 and 2 is not a scientific account of creation, but it is telling us the purpose and function of creation. Um, And as we have been discussing in this series, fruitful, just a definition of the word fruitful means to be increased. It means to grow. It means to be producing. It means to be a mature, edible product. Something to eat. Something to sow. And all of this would come from our relationship with God. We just read the creation account there, and then God has endowed us with moral, intellectual, and spiritual power. Now let's just jump back there to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And one of the, you know, sort of philosophical ideas that many people struggle with as it relates to God being good that we would say, if God is good, why are there so many bad things happening on the earth? Why is there wars right now raging in the earth? And why is there disease? And why is there you know people struggling to eat? And why is there all of these difficulties that we face in the earth? And there's just been such a litany of suffering that we could describe all the way throughout history. Why, if God is good, why is existence for so many people so hard and difficult? And the answer really is right here, At the beginning of the story of Genesis 1, verse 26, let me just read this to you again. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over all of the earth. God said to men, I want you to have dominion. What is dominion? It means just to rule and reign. So let me ask you a question reading these verses Who's in charge of the earth? Did you read it with me? (laughs) Who's in charge of the earth? Mankind, you and me, there's your answer. That's why the earth is in such a mess as it is, is because mankind is the problem, sin is the problem. It's not the the goodness of God. And it's they're like, well, but then if God knew, I'm going to keep going with this philosophical idea because I know this is a struggle yeah, but then if God knew why would he why would creation be like this? why would God create us with the option then to choose things that would cause destruction? See God was a pre-existent uh, with the Trinity in the context of relationship, loving relationship. So for us to be in a loving relationship with God, his creation, we have have the ability to choose. Because if we did not have the ability to choose to love him, it would not actually be real choice, would it? We would be like robots walking around and we would then be coerced into loving him, which wouldn't actually be love. But God is wanting us to choose him. He has chosen us. He has endowed things to us. He has given us his dominion. Some good things for you to discuss in your city groups. So he has given us this dominion. He has given us authority on the earth, and he wants us to operate in the authority that he's given to us. Hey, let us make man in our image, men and women, male and female, and then we're gonna operate under the authority that God gives. Again, dominion means rule and reign. Uh, In the New Testament, Romans 5, 17, I don't have this verse, but it says that we're supposed to reign in life through Jesus Christ. Reign in life by creation, and then we're supposed to reign in life through the salvation story. Now, when we think about godly authority, what it means to have godly authority, or authority uh, in our lives, all authority is delegated power. Godly authority is delegated power. Now, in the New Testament, there's two words. Um, Dunamis, which is the word that we would get dynamite from, the power of God. And then exousia, which is authority. And then the authority that we walk in is with the power of God. And both of these things are delegated, given to the church. We didn't self-manifest them just like we didn't self-manifest the creation story. That we didn't give ourselves dominion over the earth, God actually gave it to mankind. He delegated His authority to us by creation, and then through salvation, we are supposed to reign in life. Same way, same story, have dominion on the earth. So, delegated uh, godly authority is delegated, and it's the rightful and legitimate exercise of power. You say that again godly authority is delegated. It is the rightful and legitimate exercise of power. Now, when we think about um, delegated authority, we can maybe describe it like this. You know, parents, if you ever have a babysitter come to your house and you are gonna delegate for a couple hours or as many as they're available for you to like go out and have a date night or something. So you're delegating to them the power of parenting for a few hours, right? And so you give them instructions. Nicole was famous for this. Even babysitters that we had had for years and years, they'd show up and then Nicole would go through the whole list of things in the house and the responsibilities and all so many things. And so we were giving this power to this person to take care of our kids. And really the power is limited, right? You're like, keep everybody alive, Make sure they eat, make sure they go to bed on time. But that's it. Like, this is a very limited scope. I'm not asking you to retrain my kids' thinking, right? I'm not asking you to go into my kitchen and rearrange the dishes or something. I'm not asking you to go into my closet, into my drawers and rearrange. If you came home and all of that happened, they went beyond the scope of the authority that you had delegated to them, right? And so God has delegated his authority, all godly authority, the the life that we live and the breath that we have and the salvation that we walk in, all of that actually comes from God. So we should be operating godly ways. We shouldn't be going into the kitchen and rearranging the things when God didn't tell us to go into the kitchen and rearrange the things. We should actually be operating on what he has given to us. A person who has authority primarily by virtue of the position one holds, not by physical coercion or right. The authority that we have in life has come from God. It's been given to us. It's this by virtue of position created by God and then the salvation that we walk in has come from God. So how we operate or how we should operate in this world by the authority that God has given to us is manifesting his ways with his power and the authority that he has given to us. We conclude that the power is not a special privilege and an extraordinary authority, but a responsibility entrusted by Jesus Christ as the method of extending his work. It's a responsibility. See, when you have authority, it's a responsibility. See, when you're young, you get tired of people telling you what to do. And then also sometimes when you're older. The other day, my mom, we were, I was meeting my mom for lunch and I got a text from her. And the text said, don't be late pastor. I'm like, mom, I'm 52, I have children, thing. (laughs) But everything that we have is a responsibility. See, we want to be in charge when we don't like the decisions being made by the people in charge. We want to be in charge. We want the authority. But then you find out one day, if you do actually walk in some authority, it's all about responsibility, It's not actually about having the power, access to the power. See, we didn't like our parents telling us what to do all of the time, but then when we became parents, we are telling our kids what to do all of the time. And we realize this is a great responsibility. So it's not just something that comes from ourselves, it is something that is delegated and within the context of the church, we are extending God's work. We're not doing our own thing. So, when we walk authoritatively in the godly sense, we are operating with a strong sense of responsibility. Somebody who is operating like an authoritarian has an overestimated sense of self. We can see that in the world today, can't we? Someone just, uh, the power is intrinsic in me as a leader, and I'm just gonna do whatever I want to do. My, my, uh, my jacket today is from the Zelensky collection, by the way, if you're wondering. <laughs> 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 so point number one is that you have kingdom access. Matthew 16, verse 17, and Jesus, they're talking to Jesus about who he is, and Jesus answered them after they answered the question that you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. Simon, uh, and he answered them, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, and I will give you... Jesus says to his disciples, the keys of the kingdom, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Matthew 28, verse 18, and this is the great commission, and Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is what Jesus said, and then he says in verse 19, go therefore and make disciples. So the power and authority that we walk in as the church, who Jesus is the head of the church, and we are the church, if Jesus has all power and all authority, what we are walking in is what God has given to Jesus. So what are we supposed to do with this authority and this power that God has given to the church? Are we just supposed to make stuff up and do what we want to do? Now, here's what we're supposed to do. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Here's all of the authority, guys. It's on me right now. So I'm sending you out with this authority that is on me, Jesus, the head of the church. But in the previous passage, he says, listen, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. What does that mean? When you have keys, you have access to places, right? And then what is he saying? You have keys to the kingdom. What kingdom is he talking about? The kingdom of God. Not my own kingdom, but this delegated authority that God has given to me as a human being, but then also... Jesus delegating the church the keys of the kingdom, some authority, some access. Here, I'm giving you this key. I'm giving you access to the kingdom of God. And then he's specific. He says, uh, whatever you bind and then whatever you lose. The word bind means to tie up, put in change. Bind, forbid. So there's certain things in our life. This is the way we need to think. What are we supposed to bind up? Is it other people? No, it's nothing to do with my authority over other people. It's God's authority in my life. What should I bind up in my life? How how about just one example? How about temptation? Does anyone ever face temptation with their flesh? So what if we bind that up instead of giving access to it? Because we know if we give access to those temptations that are detrimental to our future... We know we're not walking in kingdom ways, but hey, the keys to the kingdom says you can bind that up. You don't have to let your life be ruled by sin. Loose means to unbind, release from bonds that God has given us the power in the kingdom of God, the the very power of God. And what does it do? It it loosens the chains on our lives. Maybe the chains on somebody else is when we would pray for somebody this is what we're doing. We're asking the power of God to move on somebody's life in an area in which they are bound. Jesus said, you, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have these keys. He wants you to walk in authority. What kind of authority? A self-manifesting, big head, I'm the greatest thing in the world? No, God has given me his kingdom ways. He has given me his kingdom power through salvation. So I'm gonna go about and do these same good things that Jesus did, extending the kingdom of God with the keys that have been given to me. That I would exercise the authority that God has placed on my life through creation and then salvation in these amazing godly ways. Jesus exercised his authority. Let's see this in action. Many times when Jesus healed people, now listen for a second, many times when Jesus healed people, he just exercised authority over sickness. He didn't necessarily pray. Now he did pray, but many times he just exercised authority over sickness and disease. And what does that mean? that the power of God is superior to the power of sickness and disease. Listen, friends, you've been given the keys of the kingdom. See, a lot of times the problem is, it's not so much the power of God, it's our attitude about the power of God. Like, I don't know, God, maybe you can do something, maybe not, in Jesus' name, amen. That's not an authoritative prayer. You have been given the keys of the kingdom amen, to extend the kingdom of God. Let's see how Jesus exercised authority. Luke four, verse 38. And he rose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill. Now, if you've been around, you know this is one of my favorite jokes and I can never pass this story without saying it. If God will heal a mother-in-law, he'll heal anyone. (laughs) just be careful with those loud amens I have a sweet mother-in-law June if you are watching today I love you it's not about you she does watch sometimes from Arizona so Peter's mother-in-law was ill with a fever now listen and they appealed to him on her behalf verse 39 and he stood over her and rebuked the fever. Now, in this story, Jesus is not praying for Peter's mother-in-law. What is he doing? He rebuked the fever. He spoke to the fever. He spoke to the thing that is not from the kingdom of God, the ways of God. I mean, just from the life and ministry of Jesus, we know that sickness and disease is not the will of God in the earth. What did did Jesus do? He just spoke to it. I can still remember one of my Bible school instructors pausing in this moment, and he asked us the question, can fevers hear? And it left her. So the answer is yes, the fever left. Jesus spoke to the fever. He exercised his authority. Are you here this morning? God has given us this authority through creation, and then he's given us the keys of the kingdom through salvation. And sometimes we're just operating sort of on the scared, fearful level level as it relates to life and the power of God within us. But God wants us again to be operating with His authority, bringing it back to the guidance of the Scripture. Not just a self-contained, authoritarian, uh, ego-minded, egotistical leader. No, I'm I'm doing the kingdom ways. God wants me to operate in my authority. He has empowered us to operate in his authority. And it left her and immediately she rose and began to serve them. So listen, what did Jesus do? Jesus bound up the sickness and disease and then loose the healing power of God. What you bind on earth? You should be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth? Will be loosed in heaven. He gave us the keys to the kingdom. Number two, respect the power of your words. Proverbs 18, verse 21 says this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. This whole series is called Fruitful. How can you live a fruitful life if you don't change your words? What if everything out of your mouth is negative and complaining and negative and complaining and negative and complaining? The first person that hears those words is you, negative you on life. And then something bad happens and you say, see, listen, be the prophet of your own life. God has given you a vision for his kingdom. He wants you to walk in it. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. So, what we do operating under authority is we take the principles and the ways of the Word of God, and those are the things that we say. That is how we operate in life. It, it's, it, it feels like optimism, but it's more than that, it's powerful words. You have to have this outlook on life when you come up against difficulties because you will, because it's broken, because of mankind. We read that from the beginning. You're gonna face stuff. But what are you gonna do when you face stuff? Are you just gonna operate in your own authority, in your own view of the world, which you can create? Or are you gonna yield your tongue your ways your thoughts to the power of god you're going to face something listen the scripture says let the weak say i am what is that that is you exercising authority over lack of strength so you're going to say something about the strength of god not Reinforce for years and days and years and days about your own weakness. Yes, we are all weak in our flesh. We have to have a reality check about where we are in life, but you can't stay there. The word of God will not allow us. If you're weak, I get it. Life is a struggle right now, but we're not going to stay there. We're going to use the authority that God has given to us. There's this thing right under our nose that can bless us or it can condemn us. Amen. Mark eleven twenty two says this. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. What does that sound like, Jesus? What does it look like? Verse twenty: truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain be taken up and being thrown to the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that which he says shall come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, what, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So what is Jesus using here with the mountain? What is the mountain metaphor? It's an insurmountable, an insurmountable barrier, something that you would run up against. And what does he tell us to do? Speak to the mountain. Listen, you already do this. If your TV remote doesn't work, you look at it and you speak to it. Why not use that same pr- now, I'm not telling you to go on the street corner and do this. But this needs to be your response. When you face something that's in your way, you're going you're gonna to be like, no, no. This struggle, this thing, this thing I'm facing right now. No, this, is, this struggle is not the final answer in my life. I am reigning in life through Jesus Christ, through Jesus, not in and of myself, not in and of my own power and strength, but God has given us this power through creation and through salvation. Jesus tells us, Jesus says, speak to your mountain. Because here's the deal. If you don't speak to your mountain, your mountain will speak to you. And what will your mountain say metaphorically? They'd be like, no, you're done. It's over. It's too late. It's too far gone. It's too big. The problem is too big. The struggle is too hard. Just quit. Just give up. That's not the vision that God has given to us. God has given us a vision of salvation. He has given us the keys of the kingdom that whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Should we not walk in this? Because this is how Jesus is telling us to operate in the world. So we should be removing mountains with our words and not building them up not building them up with our words death and life are in the power of the tongue see we can make the mountain bigger we can talk about it and we can talk about it and we can complain about it and we could tweet about it and we could tell our friends about it and listen you need to be in honest good relationship but don't stay in that place have somebody that will pray for you have somebody that will pull you out of that amen Point number three, be the resistance and resist the things that are not from the kingdom of God. James four, verse seven says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Again, my, my point here, we need to pray. This is not prayer. Resist, push back, say no. You remember when you were a teenager? What you did? Your parents came to you with stuff, and you're like, no. That's what you need to do to the activity of the enemy in your life. Get rebellious as it relates to the activity of the devil. Don't give into to it. Don't lay down. God has given you the keys of the kingdom. Stand up. Resist. Not in on, of our own strength, but in the strength that God gives. I'm going to say no to certain stuff. I'm like, no. If there's difficulty. It's impossible. It's too hard. I say, God's power is bigger than all these things. Do we believe it? We believe, man, this is how we need to act. We need to act on it. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Don't be double-minded about these things. Resist evil. Resist the things that are coming against your life. Well, how do we know How do we know what to resist and how do we know what to accept? John 10, verse 10 says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Anything in your life and in your family that's stealing from you, killing you and your relationships, destroying your life, resist Amen. Resist it. Don't lay down. You are a son and daughter of God. He's given you the keys of the kingdom. Luke 10 verse 19 says, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Now, serpents and scorpions is not He's not saying the actual animals. This is a representation of evil. Don't pick up poisonous snakes. It's not what Jesus is saying. Okay. That, those, that's evil. And he says, I've given you power over it, I've given you authority over it. What should we do? Should we lay down? No, we should stand up. And the power and authority that God has given to us. He's given you the keys of the kingdom. Last thing before we finish here, number four is this. Think better thoughts. Listen, all of life, all of the decisions that you make, all of the actions that you take is gonna be sourced in your thinking. And all of us, have to put a gate on our mind and realize what thoughts are on the other side of that gate. And should we open the door to every thought that comes our way? Should we open the door to any thought that comes to us? Uh, one minister uh, used to say it like this. You, you, could stop, you can't stop the birds from circling around your head, but you can stop them from nesting in your hair. And that's what we need to do with thoughts. Thoughts are gonna come, but there's a whole bunch of thoughts we just need to reject and say, no, you, no, you can't come in. I'm not gonna think about those things. Listen, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse three says this. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Waging war. We just read about resisting the enemy. We gotta... Know that we're in a battle. The enemy is coming against you, wanting to destroy your life. What the enemy is gonna do, he's gonna start with your thinking. Scripture says that he is the deceiver of the brethren. This is how he starts. He starts in our thoughts. He's not all, all powerful. He's not God. He can't just walk up and kill you but he wants you to destroy your life slowly by just letting thoughts in and thoughts in and then another thought and then something else to think and then something else to think and then something else from culture and then something else from culture. And then we think about it we think about it and we think about it and we just let everything in the gate. We're not waging war according to the flesh. This is not a fleshly battle. Verse four, but the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience Is complete. I love that phrasing. We're going to destroy arguments. Lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to Christ. So again, this goes back to the kingdom of God. The kingdom ways. Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Kingdom thoughts that I'm going to let in kingdom thoughts about today. And I'm going to let in kingdom thoughts about my future. But I'm going to destroy those thoughts that come against me. Every lofty opinion. Did you hear this? Lofty opinions. Listen, if this doesn't describe the world today so many lofty opinions about how we should be and how we should operate in the world. But what are we gonna do? We're gonna bring those into obedience. I'm not, not, there's certain stuff. I'm just not gonna think that way. There's a better way to think. There's a godly way to think. And again, if we're not careful, what happens? Those thoughts just destroy us. And you've seen people destroy their life with thoughts. Now, it might've been other things later on, but where did it start? It started with a thought. You think about it, you meditate on it, and you think about it, and you meditate on it. All of a sudden, it's this really big, what is it? It's a stronghold. That's what a stronghold is. Just thoughts that have captured us. Do you have thoughts or do your thoughts have you? See, we're supposed to be distinguishing. See, this is something that God has given. This is a part of the gift of consciousness that we are able to distinguish our thoughts. We're able to look at our actions and our thoughts and consider them. Lofty opinions. We're gonna bring all of that, the captivity of Christ. Last verse, 1 Peter chapter five, verse six says this. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. So at the proper time, he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So you have to know then What percentage of your thoughts are fear? It's a good question to ask ourselves. Because wisdom is better than fear. And what are we supposed to do with these fears? We're going to cast it on him. We're not supposed to live inundated with fear. So we have to be able to recognize when fear is dominating our every decision and choice. we got to humble ourselves. Because we have authority through creation. You can think anything you want to think. I could think anything I want to think. You can act any way you want to act. I could act any way I want to act. But if we humble ourselves kingdom ways, kingdom thoughts, the goodness of God, the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the healing power of God. All of these things become the things that we yield ourselves to. Distinguishing between good and evil thoughts. Listen, verse eight, be sober-minded, Be watchful, your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Verse nine, resist him in yourself. Now, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Listen, we're all gonna be facing stuff. And there's going to be more stuff in the future. Are you ready for the battle? Come on now. Let's have some strength about us today. Are you ready for the battle? Amen. So when the enemy comes our way, wants to destroy our life, wants to destroy our relationship, wants to destroy our finances, wants to destroy our body, what do we do? We resist him firm in our faith in God. I'm not going through this life alone, that he is with me to the end of the age. Amen. He has given you the power, the power of the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. He has authorized you to walk in his ways. Let's just pray this morning. Father God, we just thank you for your goodness today. We thank you, Lord, for the authority that you have given to us by creation and through salvation. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us the keys of the kingdom, that we can bring your kingdom to the world as it is today, that we can bring your love and your goodness and your joy and your forgiveness and your healing power to the world, our friends, our family, God, we purpose to resist evil. We purpose to resist those thoughts that are destroying our peace and that could destroy our future. We yield ourselves to you, Lord, the thoughts that you would give us. We just love you and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, if you are here this morning and you have never taken a first step of your relationship with God. The good news, the good news story in the scripture is that God sent his son, Jesus. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross and, because, and, and God raised him from the dead. And because of all of that, God just offers you a relationship with himself. You don't qualify for it. And I don't qualify for it in and of our own goodness. And we can't create some sort of religion and offer it to God and say, God, will you accept my religion? No, God has come down in Jesus and has made a way for us to know God. So if you've never said yes to that relationship with God today, you can. I'm gonna pray a prayer here in a moment and I invite you to pray along with me. You know, this is just a one-time moment saying yes to Jesus, but Jesus has called us to be disciples. We read about it today. That just means a lifelong learner. But everybody needs a starting place. So if this is your time today, if this is your starting place, I invite you to pray along with us today. So church, let's bow our heads and close our eyes and let's pray this out loud with somebody who might be praying it for the first time. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life and he died on the cross and you raised him from the dead so I could know you. So today I say yes to that relationship. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my Father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways and I turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.